All right, so hi everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today and tuning in. And if you're watching this, thank you so much for watching us on YouTube. So appreciate you for being here. My name is Sarah. I'm with No BS Social, No Businesses Suffering Social, a social media marketing agency. And this is my brother. Hi, I'm Joshua <laughs> and I'm with uh, Sociantify. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And we are talking to Crystal Hilfley today. Uh, Crystal, I have some notes here, so I'm just going to read them. Uh, Crystal is a skilled author, a child food advisor, passionate clean food activist, authentic marketing specialist, storyteller, and mother. She embodies her coin tag phrase, bringing clarity to eating well and having fun. Um, Crystal has received her BS in psychology and is a certified master health and wellness coach. She utilizes methods proven to become part of a child's emotional DNA and family support tactics in her work and incorporates a variety of effective learning tools into each story, workshop, and event, combining her love for helping others with the tools and steps families can easily incorporate to heal nutritional struggles. Crystal believes every family can have a healthy future. Crystal, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you guys for having me. So we appreciate it. So we'd love to know a little bit more about yourself. All right, where do I start? Um, <laughs> let's see, I was a kid raised by a single mom. My dad passed away in a car accident when I was very young. And so oh. my mom uh, went to school and became a nurse and she was a hippie granola mom. So we had a garden, um, my brother and I are 18 months apart. So um, she had a garden and she just fed us whole foods as that was just our life. I didn't know any different. Um, you know, we called our oatmeal bird seed and I still to this day, I don't know what was in it. And they had like these doorstop sandwiches. And you know, if I wanted a treat, it was things like apples with peanut butter and honey mixed together. You know, we had, of course, at holidays and special events, but I never had soda anything. And so I just didn't know any different. You know, your, your lens is, is kind of here, right? I didn't know anything else that was out there. And so when I went off uh, to college, when I was 17 years old, I started school a little bit young. Uh, I took my health for granted. I worked at an Italian restaurant. So it was pizza and fried raviolis. And then, of course, whatever was at the mess hall and I didn't think anything different of it. I was like, well, this is great and it tastes good. And I'd always, I'd, I'd never had any health issues. And within a very short period of time, that first year away, I gained a ton of weight. That freshman 15 was like a freshman 50 for me, my body, you know, and you're not exercising as much. Yes. And um, I had, I had, gosh, cystic acne, which is, you know, quite embarrassing for a young woman. And I had digestive issues. I started getting like a bunch of sinusitis and constant, uh, you know, the migraines also led yeah. or, or a product of, of, of constant sinus infections. Uh, and I was depressed. And so I went home that summer and I was like, you know what, maybe college isn't for me. <laughs> maybe this just isn't for me. And, and again, my mom's a nurse and she'd actually gotten remarried and my stepdad's an anesthesiologist. And they were both a bit like, okay, well, Western medicine style, let's let's look at a pill or a cream or whatever you need to do, but like, sweetheart, you're going back to school. <laughs> and so just, just by way of being home that summer with my mom and her home cooking, and they actually live in Alaska. 
So they were outdoors a lot and we hiked and water skied. I just started to feel better and I was sleeping better. And I was like, okay, at the end of the summer, I was like, okay, well, I'll go back to school. And things just started to slowly lift, but it didn't really click to me at the time. It was just like, okay, well that happened and it's you know probably common and normal. And, and we don't really talk about health problems a lot to people, especially at 17, 18 years old. It's not really a conversation really with your friends. So again, you know, my mom had kind of empathy for me, but then fast forward 10 years and I got married. Uh, my ex-husband is English. And so he ate a lot of, you know, crisps and, and he drank a lot more than I was used to. And it was a lot more red meat. Um, and this time the weight didn't really bother me, but the chronic sinusitis came back with a, with a vengeance. And I had these migraines that were unbearable. And I even went and um, had my sinuses cauterized, which means they burn them back. And I was just going, okay, like what's going on? This isn't, this isn't living. Yeah. Something's not right here. You know, it's our, my first couple of years of marriage, my first year or two. And so one day this little messenger came to me, a little bee, and I got stung by this bee. And I'm not allergic to bees, but this bee sting swelled up really bad for like a good five or six days. And it was that aha moment that we know in the psychology industry that you can have change by creating habits little by little. Uh, and getting to the, and getting into that routine of, of, of that new habit, or you can have a moment that's this big realization. And it was a big realization. And I went, wow, if I can't fight off this little bee sting, <laughs> there is really ser something seriously going on here. Yeah. So I started looking into my diet and that's when I started mm -hmm. nutrition. So I'd already had the, you know, I have a curious mind. Uh, that's why I got the, the, my undergrad in psychology. And so I started looking into nutrition and going, okay, well, what am I putting in my body that's, that, that there's a problem? Because doctors, you know, you go to a doctor and they're like, yeah, take this tablet, take whatever. And they're not trained in nutrition, right? So we have all these doctors going out, giving families, kids, adults, everybody nutritional advice when they've had maybe a weekend seminar. So I just started looking at it myself and going, okay, well, what can I start changing? Yeah. And so I had two stepkids as well. Um, and they are, one is an athlete and one has ADHD. So I looked at the entire household and I just started ripping things out. And I started cooking a lot cleaner, I guess you could say. And that's what turned it around for me. So yeah, so that's my, that's my story of my health. And then as I went into motherhood, then it was a different story with my daughter too. It's all a lesson, isn't it? It's all, what was that, sorry? It's all, it's all a lesson. You, you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very interesting. Um, so that, would you say that was the aha moment that got you into, um, you know, pursuing food and nutrition and um, clean eating and everything? It was, but it made me start to look back at how I was raised and what my mom had fed me that I, I had that foundation. So I already kind of knew because I had practiced those habits, but then I steered away from it. Yeah. Right. And so I started going deep, yeah, into nutrition and then seeing how it affected both of the kids. They were my kids. We had them 50% of the time and they were four and six when we got together. Mm -hmm. So they were very much their formative years. Um, so I just started instilling those practices in them and I could see an immediate switch. I mean, we look at one in 10 kids or ADD or ADHD now. So it's not, you know, it's not a statistic that's shocking anymore to find out that there's a child that's on the spectrum. And if you really look deep into it and start looking at the psychology and the biology behind it, it all comes down to our second brain, which is our gut. And so I went, wow, okay, well, if all of these hormones and neurotransmitters are produced in my gut and then they're feeding my brain, what am I feeding them? Yeah. <laughs> what are they eating? 
and, and how quickly it affects kids. I mean, kids can bounce back a lot faster than us having habits that are, that are locked in as adults. So, so yeah, that's yeah. what definitely spawned my, my interest and my, um, and my passion around nutrition and specifically around kids and creating those foundational habits. That's wow, cool. that's amazing. Thank you so much. That's so inspiring. Um, I'm going on a little health journey myself at the moment, um, just cutting out sugar. I think I ate too much of that. Yeah, um. <laughs> me too. Uh, actually, our family growing up, we loved our treats. I mean, our family's Dutch. So, I mean, every time we'd go to our grandparents or any gathering with the family whatsoever, it'd be like the typical, you start a meal with treats, you do like tea and coffee with biscuits, and then you go to the main course. And then it's always paired at the end with a dessert and other treats. And so it's like, we start with dessert. Yeah. And then we have dinner and then we have another dessert. And then before we go to bed, we have more dessert. Another dessert. <laughs> <laughs> oh and then you yeah. which is like another treat. Say we'd get chocolate letters for uh, every time we visit our grandparents or like little yeah biscuits yeah. or chocolate things. Like chocolate was huge in our family. It's oh, like, interesting. Yeah. And that's just part of the culture, it sounds like. Yeah. But, yeah. And yeah. maybe maybe when that when that habit or that cultural um, you know, practice was started a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, how, you know, however long ago it was, yeah. the, the chocolates and the treats that you guys had or have <laughs> probably weren't as bad as they are now, you know, oh, now the process to create them and, yeah. and how many different ways that they, you know, sugar is an 80% of the foods that we buy, 80%, and there's 56 different names for it. So even people that read labels, they're like, what does that mean? Oh, it's just a chemically changed name for sugar that all of these marketing people and, and mad scientists sit in labs and go, okay, let's do test subjects and let's figure out how to make this taste better. And let's oh, all, the, you know, the, yeah. the original form of this natural food. So yeah. I don't think sugar is necessarily bad as long as it's just something more natural. Yeah. Absolutely. And actually I've discovered through my own cooking. So, uh, over the, like, since I moved to Montreal, which was five years ago, I really made a shift from going from processed foods to making things myself. And now I would say I'm about 80 to 90% vegetarian, but basically the majority of all my food is not processed and I make it myself, or I've got it from a place that I know they make it themselves. And oh my goodness, what a difference. Like, yeah, I feel way better. And when I eat unhealthy food, I notice it fairly quickly. Immediately, don't you? And so you yeah. just you just don't even want to because you're like, it's not <laughs> worth it. Yeah, it's really not worth it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So what would you say in your industry? What would be the typical solution that people would try to do to solve that just doesn't work? Mm. Uh, so my work is specifically with families and, and with parents because I think there's this misconception or urban myth that okay well kids are kids and they're just going to burn it off right and so when I work with parents and I say okay you know if we look at how many people do you know you know that have a form of cancer how many people do you know that have a form of heart disease how many people do you know have a form of diabetes and you're not even surprised to look at your hand after doing that exercise and go wow and this is so common that we're now numb to it and we've forgotten, and it's almost as if your immune system is now a conspiracy. So we've almost forgotten what it's like that our bodies should 
just in its natural state, not only feel joyful and be full of energy, but also not have constant issues like headaches or depression. You know, when, when parents have kids that are super hyperactive, I'm like, that's great. They should be full of energy. But when you look at them and you're like, wow, I mean, they're really jumping all over the place and they have a really hard time calming down. That's straight a digestive issue. Yeah. And so we can fix that. We can heal that. And it can be healed actually a lot quicker, as I said, in kids than with adults having to form and change these habits and, and undo years of stuff. But I would say the biggest misconception with parents is just that, is that they, they think, oh, well, they're just kids and they can eat kid food. And when you look at some of the ingredients, you know, if you can't pronounce them, yeah. you can't pronounce them. It's, it's because they're foreign to your body and we should yeah. not, you know, we should not be eating them. But yeah. what's great about it too, is on the other end of that, on the other side of that coin is that there are tons of really, really great alternatives. So when I work with parents, it's like, okay, if you're feeding your kid Gogurt right now or Nutella, let's just do a swap. I don't want to take those things away from them because those are some of their favorites but let's swap them out one by one and start getting them used to, hey, this is a cleaner version because it's healthier for me. And try different brands. And there are a lot of brands out there that are coming forward and a lot of amazing certified B Corps that are really doing good for the planet and good for, for kids' health. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Especially in these times, I feel that our health and kids' health, everyone's health is more important than anything. Um, all this life is everything, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the yeah. first choice you have complete control over. Yeah. Yeah. And what a blessing it is to actually have more options available. Uh, like even going back to me moving to Montreal, uh, moving to a new environment, I didn't know where to get anything. And so I just kind of wung it and started exploring the grocery aisle. And that's how I ended up discovering which foods worked for me and which didn't. And I mean, Thankfully, we have people like yourself where we don't have to do the trial and error because it's not always easy, but uh, it definitely helps the fact that there are options out there now. So yeah. the fact that we can go down the grocery aisle and we see like the, the regular store-bought stuff and sure, it might be kind of tucked away in the corner, but there is going to be an organic or a more natural solution that's available. Yeah, I always recommend to people, you know, eat ingredients, not things with ingredients in them. Yeah go to the grocery store and stick on the outside aisles, go yeah. to a farmer's market if you can, I love um, that. you know, and, and, and just get back to, to feeding your body things that are, are just already naturally available, you know, yeah. and you can get frozen options or whatever it is, but I'm not an advocate for tricking or sneaking anything that's, that's really nutrient dense in your kid's diet. It's, it's just through repetition. And I, you know, what's yeah. great now, in, in this industry is that science and psychology are backing up and, and kind of pulling us back to how we used to eat and saying, hey, you know what? And, and there's a lot of patience that comes into play with it, okay. but it takes 11 times for a child to try something before they decide that they like it. Wow. Ooh, parents are like, <laughs> yeah, it can be less. It can be four or five if they're within their peer group. So if anytime moms have kids in play groups or at preschools, whatever, you know, have the kid next to him eating, eating tomatoes, he's going to be like, oh, wow. Okay. Well that looks safe because psychologically kids need to feel safe. Right. So if a parent just approaches their kids with this plate and is like, here, force it, eat it. No, <laughs> introduce them over and over and over and over again, make yeah. it fun and make mealtime about connection instead of about let's focus on the food and I need you to eat a certain amount. 
because we, and I felt the same way as a, as a, as a new mom with, you know, with my stepkids, it was a little bit of a different story. They were a little bit older. I didn't have that visceral, um, you know, you know, mama bear that came out, but with my daughter, it was like, I just want her to eat. And so we can so easily slip into this behavior pattern of like, well, I don't care what they eat. I just want them eating. But the reality of it is parents are in charge of what is fed or what's placed in front of them. And the oh, kids yeah. are in charge of whether or not they eat. And when there's food, they're going to eat. We're, we're humans. We will eat. And that's not saying starve your kid out. That's not saying, again, force them. Just allow it to be a really natural process that the parents also have to teach and lead by example. Because I could tell my daughter and preach all day long. She yes. sees me over here eating junk or not being in alignment with what I'm trying to teach her. She's going to be like, totally. okay, yeah, complete yeah. nonsense. I don't buy into it all. Yeah. And kids are always going to be their own independent beings. And that's what makes them so amazing. But at the same time, like you were saying, we have to work with that independence and, and feed their curiosity in a way that it makes them interested mm -hmm. in their health and the food that they consume. And yeah, I think it's like, yeah, yeah what you're doing is amazing. Yeah. It was really interesting. I had a great conversation actually with a professional athlete the other day and he had started his career at literally three years old and oh. we aligned and agreed upon the concept. And I'll just say it's a concept. <laughs> kids are not ours to mold. They're ours to take care of and to guide, right? <laughs> because they're going to be their own little people and we're not, we cannot vicariously live through them we have to just allow them to be who they are and support them in whatever that might look like. like. I have hopes and dreams that my daughter is happy and that she feels confident and that she enjoys her life. That's my dreams for her. And so if you were to ask her, she's 10 years old now, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? She says, I want to be happy. And I, and, and how many, I don't know how many career changes you guys have had, but I started out in, as I taught my other friend psychology, I didn't do anything with it. I had a software company with my ex. We moved it to London. I came back. I got into nutrition. I've been in investment banking. I've done corporate development. I've done marketing. There's, you know, and then it was like, okay, but what makes me happy? And what makes me happy is, is knowing that I've had some small impact, whether it's with one family or 10 and helped them instill these belief systems in their kids that you're perfect, whole and complete, just as you are right now, just as yeah. you are right now. And anything above that is, is, a, is a bonus if that's what you want to strive for. But right here, right now, you're perfect today. And like these that. foods are fuel. Foods that we eat nourish our bodies. And just because it's clean and healthy does not mean it tastes bad. But what, what happens is, is that our taste buds are actually programmed from our gut. In, in a kind of layman's way of explaining it. Mm -hmm. So the cleaner that your gut is, just as you said, you crave healthy foods now, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, when, we, when we're filling our body with Doritos and Ruffles and candy and food and soda and whatever, yeah. our bodies crave that because our bodies are gonna crave just like our mind craves thoughts, those two things, whatever it is that we're feeding them. You break that mm -hmm. cycle by doing a reset cleanse, which is super easy to do. And you automatically go, oh, wow. Like I want this, you know, grilled chicken breast and salad today. I don't want a burger because ugh, it tastes terrible. You, you actually start to crave those things because that's what you programmed. Yeah. And going with the burger, it's like you already know after you eat that, you're going to have this heaviness in your stomach and your body is, well, I noticed for myself, my body rejects it and it just goes, no, please don't do that. Or if you do, it's like, can you keep it to a small dosage, please? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Crystal, um, considering the fierce competition in today's business world, how would you highlight your disruptive um, company, Crystal Clear Kids, um, competitive advantages? What makes you stand out of the crowd? So the mission behind Crystal Clear Kids is to empower families. And I specifically work in the niche with very athletic families. Uh, so I've worked with some major brands and corporations. I've worked with the U.S. Olympic teams and the U.S. surf team and cool. created new guidelines for them. So there's a lot of misconceptions around what to feed your child before, during, and after sport so that they can excel and perform their best. Um, and so I would say my competitive advantage is, is, is having worked with some major athletes and brands as well as uh, is partnering with uh, some academies, as well as um, you know some some groups that work specifically with kids to get this out into a, a broader perspective. So I'm not. Uh, I do work with people one on one. I do guru coaching, things like that. But I'm all about collaboration and partnership. So when I created the family support program, it walks through the very beginning is mindset because that's the first and most important thing. Perception creates your reality and how belief systems are instilled in kids from a very early age. And it walks through nutrition guidelines, gut health, stress, sugar. And then in the end, I've actually done extensive training in parent-child interactive therapy, which actually coaches parents through how to have the most effective communication with your kids. So I think there's a lot of programs out there that say, okay, here's the recipes. And I'm not a chef and, and I don't pretend to be. I do have some sample recipes in the program to get people started. But those clean recipes are easy to find. But I think that there's a missing link of actually how to communicate that with your children and how to have those conversations because kids don't realize that they're actually watching their mom and dad grow up when they're kids. They don't realize that at all. There are so many things that, and it still happens to this day and I'll get caught in a moment of, oh, wow. Okay. I was about to say that, or I did say it. Like I snapped at my daughter a couple of weeks ago and it is rare that that happens, but that's because I've worked really hard and practicing gratitude and rewiring my brain in these systems that when an old subconscious pattern comes up, I go, oh, wow, look at what that just happened. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think parents need that support to know you're not the only one that has a three-year-old or a seven-year-old that's literally wrecking you today. Yeah. <laughs> you're not the yeah. only one. It's <laughs> and, and I always say it like this, right? That, 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 that when they're triggering you, it's because who else has spent their entire lives picking up on your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your reactions, your responses. So yeah, they're going to trigger you. And that gives you the opportunity to look within and say, okay, why did I get triggered and how can I do better? So I think the competitive advantage of Crystal Clear Kids is number one, working with some major companies and partnering because it is about collaboration to get the message out. I don't need necessarily the recognition. My company doesn't need the recognition. If it's with California State Games or TBK Bank Sports Complex or whoever it is, I want to provide this to them so that they can reach a broader community and they put their label on it. It's not about me. It's about the message. And then again, that, that parent-child interactive therapy was actually created for parents that have had issues and had, you know, they've yelled too much. And so the government has gotten involved and said, okay, you need to go through some type of therapy. And the therapy is not, hey, let's sit around and talk about how you feel because that's not effective. We could all sit and talk and, and spill it out. It's going in and actually rewiring and changing those patterns and the ways that we talk with our kids. Because you go back one generation, our parents were raised by the generation before them, which went through the depression. And everything was all about scarcity and fear and lack. 
and do this because I told you to do what I say, not what I do. I just need you to eat right now, or I need you to do this right now. There yeah. was the empathy and the compassion and the conversation to really get on a child's level and the power in itself of getting down on your knees and looking at them and softening up and just saying, I see you and whatever's going on right now, I'm here for you. Because when little people experience big emotions, it's our job to share our calm, not join their storm. I'm curious, do you find uh, most of the training you do is actually with the parents and having to that, uh, rewire the way that they think, the way that they think about food and what they eat and bring into the household? It is, yeah. It's mostly with the parents and in, in presenting to them, you know, the, the science and the psychology behind the way that you're behaving is a subconscious pattern. It's, it's operating 95% of the time. The belief systems that are the cause of or the root of those, patter those patterns and those, and those actions come from your early belief systems, which were started in childhood. So if the way that you're acting right now, you don't like it and you're not in alignment with it and it's not bringing out the best you, guess what? You're programming that in your kid right now. Yeah. So it's absolutely a conversation and, and looking deep at, okay, what are your triggers? What is the belief around that? Why did you react that way? And get them to a place of responding, right? And understanding that you're not alone in this. This is extremely common. Everybody's walking around 90 to 95% of the time with subconscious beliefs and behaviors that they don't like, but there is hope. You know, you can change it. It's actually really easy to change once you understand the steps to take to get there. So I walk them through oh. the steps of raising their vibration a little bit to be able to see and go, okay, you know what? In this moment, when my kid has triggered me or done whatever or any other situation in life, but we're with, we're with our kids a lot and we're with them a lot more than we ever used to be. <laughs> And we should be right. It does. It literally takes a village, you know, for one parent, a single parent or two parents, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely stressful to do all the shopping, all the cooking, all the cleaning, taking care of the kids, all of those things. And yet we've got this secular society that's telling us that that's what you should be doing. And I sit here and I say, if you've got the, the ability, the means you know, a support system around you, whether it's with your family or friends, or you find somebody in the community that can support you to do those extra tasks, to take some pressure off. I'm a massive advocate for that. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I need help. I can't be everything for my daughter. I just can't. I'm not, I'm one person, you know, and I'm new at this mom thing too. I tell her that all the time. She had She's 10 years old and she had a little meltdown just the other day. It happens. It's common. And, and I sat there and I just looked at her and I was, you know, sharing with her and I was listening and holding space. And I said, sweetheart, you have to understand something. I've never been the mom to a 10 year old before. I need you to tell me what you need right now. If you need me to Beautiful. sit and hug, I will do that. But if you want me to get up and do something that I could do for you to make this better, great. But I need you to tell me. And it really made her focus on, okay, what is it that I want right now? And nine times out of 10, she honestly, in the midst of chaos, whatever's going on, she wants me to grab her and hug her more oh. than anything, more than anything. Hands down, that's what works nine times out of 10. She just wants a cuddle. I love the humanistic approach to that. That it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Very beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's so beautiful. Um, Crystal, what are the main principles you follow to build successful customer relations with the families that you work with and the parents that you work with? 
I think number one always starts out with empathy because I've been there too, whether it's been with health issues or parenting challenges, you know, we've got, it's so common now that there's what, single parents are 50, 60% of the population, blended families are about the same. So it's, it's having that empathy and, and allowing them to share wherever they're at without any judgment whatsoever. Um, and then with the partners that I work with, uh, when it comes to, you know, white labeling my program, et cetera, it's, we have the same mission and the same goal is to get this message out. And so, um, you know, the, 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 the video series, um, was really well produced. It was, it was done really, really well. It was culminated over six years of work that I've done. So, you know, when we look at, as I said just a minute ago, we look at mindset, mindfulness, and belief systems, and then we end with the actual communication. You know, I don't look at it as a nutrition program necessarily. I look at it as a program that um, that's a bridge to help people look at mealtime as time to connect because we all need connections so desperately. That's actually how we're biologically wired as human beings is to get into groups and get into tribes for survival. That's how our brains work, right? It's, it's been around for millions of years. That's how we are. Yeah. And so building trust is, you know, that's, that's how everybody looks at you. I, I trust you. I know you. I like you. And so if you can just show people, and my goal is to show people that this isn't, you know, there's not a magic trick that comes down to having empathy, understanding, and compassion that we're, we've all been kind of brainwashed, <laughs> given misinformation, you know, one of the things that I talk about with the sports academies that I work with is it's like there's this urban myth that kids need to carb load before an event. I don't know where that came from. I honestly have no yeah. idea, but people still believe that to this day. Wow. It's like, okay, well, the great thing is now we have the science to back it, that your body's actually function much better on some really nice, like leafy greens and fruits, whether those smoothies or whatever, because yeah. we can't bog down their digestive system and then go go run the field and go kick a soccer ball or whatever you're gonna do. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that that's how I, I build trust is through communication and empathy. And then by working with and sharing with them the knowledge and the science and the psychology behind how we actually instill healthy habits, whether they're habits you know that that are at mealtime or they're habits that we do day to day. Wow. That's cool. That's beautiful. That's powerful. Empathy is so important. You are a great guide <laughs> that so many people need. And um, yeah. some of my friends' kids were, you know, into hockey and everything, six and um, seven, eight, um, would be carb loaded before they went. Mm -hmm. And yeah, hearing this, I'm like, oopsie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I wish I knew where that came from. I'm not, and I'm just not quite sure, but yeah. we're changing it's yeah. time I think it's important, more important that we change that and uh, discover not necessarily where it, where it came from, but how we can shift that into something different and yeah. more beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What would you say is your greatest entrepreneurial achievement yet? Ooh, um, I would say I'm really, really, really proud of the book that I wrote that's for kids. Oh, yes. And I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, you know, and it doesn't get a lot of attention. And I have the, I have the intention of writing um, more and having it be a series. So it is called the Sammy series because more will come. 
but it was a really beautiful inspiration that was um, essentially downloaded to me. I shot up out of bed one night and I just wrote this story and then I finished it. And I was like, where did that come from? Oh, download. Yeah. It was okay. just this great download. And so, and it, and so it's funny. It's like, I, I say that I can't even necessarily take credit for it because it was an inspiration. It was a gift. It was something that was kind of channeled through. And it's a beautiful story that I think a lot of kids can relate to and have fun with watching, you know, following Sammy's journey with her friends and discovering, you know, food as fuel. So mm. I'm really, really, really proud of the book. I love that. What is your pen name for your book? Yeah, my pen name is Eloise Meraki. I know. And people oh, are cool. like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> and so my, and I'll tell you, also, I'll tell you a story if you want to know the story. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. So my daughter is named after her dad's grandmother. So her great grandmother and her name is Isabel and it's spelled I-S-O. And so it's an old family name and it's the um, old English or Scottish way of spelling it. And so I thought to myself, okay, if I ever have another child, my grandmother's name is Eloise. And so I'm not having more kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I work with kids. I've got one. She's beautiful. And then my stepkids as well. So, um, so yeah, so I thought, okay, if I ever have another baby and so crystal clear kids is that it's my, it's, it's, it's a child to me. It's something that's, you know, I'm here to guide and again, to channel this information through to support so many families that need the messages. And then Meraki means um, you, to put a piece, it's a, I'm trying to remember that it's to put a piece of your soul into everything you do. And I want to say it's Latin, but I don't think it's Latin. I can't remember now, but it's um, to put it a suits it perfectly into everything you do. And so it just, it kind of came together that way. And so, yeah, so even friends of mine were like, hey, I, want, I bought your book, but I thought you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hmm. Beautiful. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. I've been curious yeah. about that before we jumped on. I'm like, oh, and the I need meaning to ask is, her about this. Yeah. yeah. And the meaning is really beautiful. That's, yeah, that makes it more special. Yeah. Your pen name and yeah. That's hey. a beautiful name. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. Um, what would you say is your hidden um, inspiration sources? How do you generate new ideas? So I believe we all have archetypes. And we all have strengths in our own ways. And my archetype is a creator. So I thrive in creating. And so my inspiration can come from so many different things. And I learned kind of early on in my journey uh, that if something's going to annoy you or frustrate you or piss you off, either get over it or do something about it. And so what frustrates me is literally being in a grocery store. That's <laughs> embarrassing. And seeing parents with their kids, like in soccer uniforms, baseball, whatever. And they've clearly just been to a game and they're in the grocery store and I look at their cart and I just like, I, I want to take stuff out. It pisses me off. I'm like, wait a minute. You guys just went and had this great family day and you watched your kids excel. You were on the sidelines cheering for them. And then you're filling them with Doritos, Dryer's ice cream, whatever it's called, Dryer's Briars, yeah, you know, all of these talkies, whatever, and, and all of this junk. What, what just happened? How did that beautiful, healthy experience translate to being in a grocery store and filling them with chemicals that you can't even pronounce? Yeah. So my passion comes from, yeah, from seeing, from seeing kids suffer 
it, one in six kids are obese. We're looking literally, it makes me emotional. We're looking literally at the first generation that may not outlive their parents, not live longer than them, may not outlive their parents. And we've got enough data now to show that. And this is pre-pandemic, right? God knows what's going on right now and what data is oh. after this. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. One in 10 kids are ADD or ADHD. There's kids on the spectrum left and right. They're obese, they're stressed. A third of kids are stressed and a third of kids are depressed. So if you've got this generation that's literally looking at us and saying, I need help, I need, please help me. And parents that are unaware, I don't think that they don't care. I think they absolutely do care. They're just not looking at the culprit and they're not looking that everything that you put in has an outward expression. And how to identify when your kids are stressed out. I mean, it caught me off guard when I went through my divorce, my daughter started chewing her hair and it was annoying. I was like, why do you keep chewing your hair? What is your problem? <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I laugh about it now, but it was real. I mean, she was, she was stressed out and she was expressing it in, in that way. And, um, and so, you know, once I learned that was, you know, that's a trigger for me and I watch and I observe her, this is what's going on with you. And I'm able to pick up on and get ahead of. And so there are times that we use natural supplements like magnesium yes. in the calm drink. And she drinks that and and she loves it. And that just kind of mellows her out a little bit. And, you know, we use supplements like GABA GABA and it's a natural neurotransmitter that we all produce and it and just elicits this feeling and response of calmness throughout our bodies. So we all need support. And there are certain things that, you know, we can't do anything about. Um, maybe kids are kind of born with differences that are managed with a medical team. But a good percentage of what kids are going through are absolutely managed through how you respond to them instead of reacting to them and what you're feeding them. Wow, that's crazy. You know, when I think back to when the pandemic first hit, um, I remember seeing all the junk food, uh, uh, junk food aisles, <laughs> aisles that are cleared, just completely cleared. And then all the vegetables and all the healthy stuff just there and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why would people go for Mr. Noodles yeah. <laughs> or something, you know? And I'm like, Mr. Noodles is what, $2 a pack now? Really? It used to be 59 cents. Like, yeah. you know, however months ago, like March 1st or whatever, right? But it's like, why is that jumping up in price? Why Why are these dry foods that are so unhealthy or all spaghettis or all that? Why is that clearing the shelves right now? Why is it, it just, it, yeah, that was just a, like a huge, uh, just a shock to see that in the grocery store and be like, oh my God. And all the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think it's terrible. partly because our society's been built on convenience rather than substance. And I think like what you're teaching parents is uh, to go to the substance of something. And I think that's really beautiful because it's like the thing that gives us the most value in life actually has substance. It does not have convenience. And if anything, more times than not, it's the things that are less convenient that are more valuable. Now, granted, not always, that's not always the circumstance, but uh, yeah, even for when the, the shelves were cleared, I was really grateful that everyone went for the convenient <laughs> option. I was like, Stop yes, <laughs> I can still have my food. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, and I think there are, there's been for a while, like the last probably, what, 20, 30 years or even longer than that, that we've kind of been trained like quick, 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 hurry, 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 yes. to save time. And yes. when you look at, you know, your kind of base resources, time, money, you know, and so we, we get afraid and we think that there's scarcity, like, 
What are yeah. we all rushing around for? Do you know what I mean? There is a natural flow of life that we've gotten so far separated from as a species. And we're seeing now the end result of everybody suffering, not just kids' health statistics, but people's yeah. mental health. And, you know, again, the obesity rates and it, our mental and our physical health is going down. But apparently we're taught in society that, you know, profits and everything else are going up. And so that's good. Well, what does that matter? What does that even matter? You know, what are you squirreling all this time and rushing through these tasks? Because when you really slow down, and that's why mindfulness and meditation over the last 20 years has gotten, become so popular. And it's one of the things I talk about in the family support program is how to practice meditation and mindfulness with kids. How can we teach kids these things? Because you know what? They actually really enjoy it. I do a quick little once a week at my daughter's school and we do mindfulness exercises every single week. And the kids are like, oh my gosh, we love when Miss Crystal comes. And I've done it with kids in groups Aww, before. Beautiful. It's so much fun. And they get it so fast. They're seriously, they're, they're so bright and intelligent and they understand these concepts and they have so much fun doing them. I mean, if you just tell them, you know what, like your body is made up of 70% water right? 70% water. So every time you're drinking water, if you just simply look at your water bottle and say, I love you, you're telling your body, I love you with every single drink. So we do all sorts of stuff. We put stickers on there that say, I love you. Uh, you're great. You're beautiful. And again, there's cool. science now backing this up though. Dr. Emoto did, have you heard yeah. about the rice experiment? I mean, this is, this is real now, right? He took the rice and one jar that was cooked. He said, I love you. One, he said, I hate you. And one, he ignored the I love you one was beautiful and it blossomed and it was fragrant. The I hate you one was dark, but the worst one was the one that was ignored. Aww. So whether it's good or bad attention, we all, all need attention. And so kids see that and they're like, oh, wow. Okay. So I, I understand that. And then movies like Frozen came out, you know, and they see the power of, of Queen Elsa. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And what's interesting is uh, I'm friends with a couple of different school teachers and I'm noticing that within the schools, they're actually doing experiments where they have three different plants and they do the exact same thing to that study where they have one plant where they say, I love you, another one they ignore, and then the other one they say, I hate you. And so it's like reinforcing this into our brains and our kids' brains that yeah. what we say, what our intention is into something actually is a really important very very powerful yeah and you know and, and and again like with parent-child interactive therapy this is what i coach parents through is saying you know what when your kids are acting up they want attention because they don't yeah. care if it's good or bad attention yeah. sure. and yeah. so i never encourage ever praise around food because what if you're only good if you if you eat we want to praise on their character and qualities mm. that we enjoy about them and that they're developing so cool. when it comes to bad behavior it, it is tough to do again because the parents get triggered when their kids are acting up yeah. ignore it ignore it and it will go away yeah. and find out what their love languages are we all have love languages you know that's yeah. it's a really great exercise and it was interesting because i asked my daughter you know what are yours and we ran through and i gave her examples and she's like i want you she likes words of affirmation so i want you to tell me you love me so i've got to tell her all the time i love you i love you i love you and then she says i love it when you um it's, it's words of affirmation and she's also affection. So she wants me to hug and kiss her and tell her I love her. And my love languages are totally different. I want you to spend quality time with me. And I love acts of service. Like do something amazing for me to help me because mm -hmm. life is busy, whatever. 
and then spend yes. time with me. So if you can figure out with your kids and actually get to know them as humans, like what is it that lights you up and keep doing those things, right? Anywhere that you focus your energy, that's where it's, everything's going to flow. Totally. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. I'm learning so much here. And I believe that our listeners will learn so much as well and probably want to connect with you and be like, Crystal, how can we like tell the world about this message? <laughs> yeah. It's a very important message. Yeah. 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 Very powerful. What would you say is a key event? I guess, would you say the key event that defines who you are today? Would you say it would be the Bumblebee or would you say it would be something else? The, like a like a monumental event that happened that spawned what I do with Crystal Clear Kids. Yeah, it was actually fast forward to that. I had my daughter, and um, I was really lucky to have the experience to move to another country. I went to another culture. And America, we're very much indoctrinated as I was with my mom being a nurse and my stepdad being a doctor. You know, you your kid has the sniffles, you go to the doctor, you get antibiotics like that. Exactly. And so we moved to England, and I lived in a village. And it was a, it was wow. a tough experience because in a matter of one year, I'd stopped working because I had my baby. I had a baby and I moved countries. It was like everything. Wow. And then I go to this country and I go register with the health service and, you know, and, and get her registered with the doctor. And what they did was they sent home like this nurse to kind of take care of and make sure that you're settling. Okay. And so it was great because they connect you with other moms in the village so that you're essentially raising your babies together in a village like you should be. And so I was, you know, had a great experience with her. I was very lucky. And I say this all the time and I was able to breastfeed very successfully. And when I got to that stage to wean her off, it was like, you know, you're told by the doctor, put them on formula or cow's milk. And I literally sat there and, and in my mind, I'm a very visual person. I was visualizing this and thinking, could I actually take her off my breast and put her on a cow teat? no I couldn't do it I would you no parent would do that when you look at it that way right and so I did a lot of really like you know deep inner work of looking at it going okay well so she still needs milk until the age of two she still likes the bottle this and that but what am I going to give her and so I started looking into different alternatives and as I started researching cow's milk I was like why are anybody why is anybody drinking this stuff why is what what is going on and I could go into a whole tangent as to why not but but it was through that experience of becoming a mother and I was really going okay I'm eating really clean to then produce this milk to feed my baby that she needs and to nourish her and then I'm making organic foods and shopping locally and giving her baby food why am I going to now give her something foreign and so it really kind of switched on this light bulb in my head of going, how many other misconceptions are out there in regards to our diet that we see all of these diseases that people are experiencing now at rates that they never have before. So it's really through the experience of, of being a mom that I was looking at our plates and what was in our cups really kind of logically and saying, okay, what can we do that's a little bit different and that's a normal natural change for all of us to experience that's really gonna increase our health and be at the place that it should be. We should be living disease-free without cancer and diabetes and heart disease, right? We should be, but we're not. And why is that? So it was through, it was Isabel. She's my greatest teacher. She reflects to me all day. <laughs> She's my biggest teacher. Yeah. She's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank That's you cool. for sharing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Um, can you tell me about a time you almost gave up 
um, how did you feel about it and what did you do instead of giving up? Um, more so wanting to share with the audience because we're all going through really tough times here. And if anyone's really struggling, you know, maybe they may be able to relate to this and get that extra push. Yeah, all right. I'll try and keep it short and sweet. Um, so when I got divorced, um, so as I said earlier, my father died in a car accident when I was little. And so when I got divorced, we moved back to America from England. And within two months, he turned around and he left and he went back to England and, and left me in America with my daughter. And it was the biggest shattering experience, I think, to date that I'd ever had. But the reason for that is because I had this wound from childhood of my father passing away and leaving. So it wasn't just like, okay, we got divorced, whatever happened, happened. And it's funny, if he ever listens to this, we're the best of friends. He lives far away, but we are the best of friends. And, um, and so I was faced to raise a little girl that was essentially like a little me. And I went, oh my gosh, you've actually just like left your daughter. My dad died because it was an accident, but now you've made the choice to leave. And it really, really shattered me. And, um, and I was pretty broken for a while. I, I had anxiety, a ton of stress. Um, I wasn't eating properly. And the only time that I really felt connected to Isabel was when I was feeding her well. It was kind of the one thing that I had already known how to do. Um, outside of that, I was, I was a shell of myself. I had adrenal fatigue. There was some stressful situations that happened before our divorce. I had adrenal fatigue and I didn't know it. Um, I had insomnia. So as much as I wanted to sleep and get rest, I actually would wake up in the middle of the night. And so I would try and trick my body. I would set an alarm, this is so embarrassing, for two o'clock in the morning to wake up to take a sleeping pill, like an Ambien or whatever it was, yeah. so that I could then get back into a deep sleep so that I would have rest and I would be able to function. And all of these fears were going on in my head of, he left, he went back to the UK, he took all of our money, our business had been sold, all of our assets were in the UK. I literally was left with nothing but my daughter and our health, that was all we had was each other. And it was through that experience that it was like every day I would wake up wondering what was gonna, what bad was gonna happen that day. But I was creating that, I was creating that cycle. That was what I was, that's what my habit was, was to wake up angry, frustrated, depressed, sad, and fear, all of these things. And then, as I said, then when I saw Isabel chewing her hair, I was thinking to myself, what have I, what have I done? What, what am I doing? This is, she's a beautiful baby girl. I've, I've got to somehow figure out how to switch this, this pattern. And so I started looking at into how our brains are wired and how different habits that you form in early childhood now affect what you're doing now, right? And I had a mom that was very much in fear and was very angry and very upset, not only by the fact that my father had passed away and it was shocking for her, but also because that's how her parents were. They were raised, in, she was raised you know, from parents from the depression. So I was looking at this cycle of we're repeating the same things and yet I'm expecting some different result. <laughs> what? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, Crystal. And so I started practicing waking up every morning, no matter what it was, and I still do it to this day, this has been years, of waking up and being grateful. And some days it's big things, like I signed a new client, and some days it's, I opened my eyes. It doesn't matter what it is. I have a bed, the sun is shining. It does not matter what it is that you're grateful for. 
but to wake up and to have your brain, because as we're asleep, we're in Delta, as we're in that funky twilight phase, it's called theta. And that's when you're being directly programmed in your subconscious. So kids are in theta from zero to seven. So I started studying all of that, wildly fascinated by it. Again, my undergrad was already psychology. I, you know, showed interest in nutrition. So I wanted to learn all about how our brains work because our brains are literally controlling everything that we're doing every day, but we do have independent choices to what that brain does. So there's like the I, the me, the self, right? Yeah. Reprogramming my thought patterns because if I wanted a different reality, instead of waking up every day, sad and afraid and confused and just dark and I've got nothing and we lost everything. I mean, everything. I sold everything that I owned and my daughter and I shared a rented bedroom and slept in the same bed for six months. And when that was my darkest point, it was, it's really hard raising a child, single parent, hundred percent of the time, my family's not very close. Yeah. Um, it was really, really hard. And you know, rent life and it, it's expensive and it's real. And I didn't have a lot of help, but when I hit that point and I was like, you know what? six months from now, I'm going to figure this out in six months. And it was literally six months to the day that I started manifesting and creating everything that I wanted. So I started using all of the tools wow. in the community, right? Vision boards and writing it down. But again, it was really waking up every day and being grateful. And you have to honestly ask yourself, because I think a lot of people, they don't actually know what they want. What, like, how are you supposed to create something and have the life that you dream of if you don't actually know what you want? So I had to get really real on it and say, okay, Crystal, like, what do you actually want? What do you want for yourself? And what do you want for your daughter to raise her into a life that she can see unlimited possibilities? Because this pattern that we're breaking in these cycles of past generations before us, we don't need those belief systems anymore. Abundance is a natural life, way of life. Health, great health is a natural way of life. You know, having a positive, joyful, great experience in a healthy body is our birthright. And I believe that to my core. And so, you know what, how can I also figure out what my gift is and help other people? So it was when I hit that point of like, do you know something? I am so done with this, I keep creating the same thing. And I am so sick of it that it was like, okay, well, I first have to start with my thought patterns. And I still remember, I was actually thinking about this the other day, I was walking my dog back from the park and this thought came into my head without me forcing it. I thought to myself, wow, it's such a beautiful day. I'm so grateful. And it surprised me. I went, oh my gosh, (laughs) these thoughts are coming all on their own and I don't have to try so hard every single day. And if you can truly believe that, because that came up from my subconscious, that was not me forcing that thought. That wasn't me writing it down. That was coming up from my natural being of it is a beautiful day. And was there anything special about that day? Did I win anything that day? No, I just was walking my dog to the park and it was, it was a beautiful sunny day. And that subconscious thought to come up really started to shift my trajectory and go, okay, so now, this, now I'm going to make the stakes bigger. And I push myself every day, no matter if I'm afraid or not. I have a sign next to my desk that says, just keep going. I have patience tattooed on my wrist so that I never forget that it takes patience and it takes persistence to create the life that you, the life that you want and the life that you dream about. But it does come back to my nutritional habits as well. I mean, there's times that sure, I'm on holiday or whatever, and I eat all these things that I don't, that don't, that, and, and it lasts for days for me though, that I end up feeling sick and disgusting. And I'm like, Crystal, why did you do that? So we all, we just remind you about what it means to live in alignment and to feed and nourish your body because this body isn't going to last forever, you know, and we do, but we do want it to last as long as it can. So how can we really, really nourish it and tell it that we love it every single day so that it does all of the things that we want it to do? Nobody wants to sit around and be a couch potato or have 
terrible health. But for some reason, none of us really take it serious until we've had something go wrong. Absolutely. Definitely. I'm one of those people. I'm one of the wait till I have a crisis moment. I'm going to eat as much sugar as I want and chocolate bars until I get really sick. And then um, I actually had a like a scare kind of um, a few days ago. But what actually happened was I changed my thoughts. I realized the, uh, the subconscious um, programming in my mind and the thoughts that were going with it to make me feel so. So I was having numbness in my body at nighttime when I slept, sleep. And um, yeah, and then I had like some, a little bit of tingliness in my face. And I was like, whoa, that was weird. I've never felt that before. I've had the numbness in my body throughout only usually when I'm stressed for two years. I got out of an abusive relationship um, two years ago. Um, and so what's been on yes. my mind has been all those programming because I'm in a new place. And usually when I'm in a new place, it was when I was with my ex, right? So I'm triggered by everything with where I'm at right now. Um, but yeah, I did this... Um, I'm into Reiki. So I did like a self Reiki session. And I was like, I've been so mean to my body. So mean. I've been eating chocolate bars, waking up and eating chocolate for breakfast and having a hot chocolate with whipping cream after I eat lunch and then eating more chocolate when I go to bed. But besides that fact, um, I had a lot of horrible thoughts in my head because my ex had a heart attack and he had a really like a bruised toe or something that led to intravenous in both his legs. And I have a bruised toe. And so I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have a bruised toe like him and I'm gonna have to get intravenous in my legs because I was kind of like manifesting all the pain that he went through which is it's separate it's not the same I can heal my body um you know my mom and my grandmas and aunties and the family have had cancer um but they've all beat it they're all like those kind of badasses were like mm -mm, you didn't just diagnose me cancer like and a fu to that <laughs> and i'll show you otherwise yeah. is and um the family but. our grandmother she got it twice she got cancer twice and beat it yeah it's amazing it can happen it happens all the time totally they refuse the diagnosis they say no you don't know my body like i do and i'm going to heal myself and they did and i think there's like that mindset of like you know taking over and being like i'm not a sick person and so i've had to change the story yeah lately I've been like oh I'm a sick person I'm frail I'm like what the hell I'm not yeah. a sick person well, also you know we're all energy and whenever we're around somebody else like the two of you are sat together now you're overlapping each other's energy fields and and we're wired like that again for connection so I would say with your ex even though it's been two years the power of going into a visualization and seeing the cords between the two of you cutting them oh, yeah. sending him back his energy taking yours back to yourself and saying thank you i appreciate you know the lessons that you brought me and the things that we shared and just constant gratitude but yeah. cut that cut that off yes you know in my reiki session last night i actually did it for an hour i visualized him and all those i never actually felt the pain that i went through you know in abusive relationships i was just like me it happened. Yeah. He, you know, hit me or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. You're like, it's over. <laughs> Move on. You know? Feelings like we're practicing for a marathon, right? It's just like, what are you so afraid to feel for? <laughs> exactly. And I think that's what my body was telling me was like, you need to feel this. Like, sure. You can just say mm, whatever and like shrug it off. But like your body is still facing it every day in your mind um and then so yeah I did that in my Reiki session I visualized him and then I saw myself from those times and I gave her a big hug and 
loved on her and cried a whole bunch last night. Oh, <laughs> and then I shut the door, I grabbed myself, you know, took her out of that memory. I wanted to take pieces of me back. And then I closed the door and the door disappeared into thin air. So the oh, so beautiful. I got myself back from those horrible times. But I need to do more of that because there's a lot of like, you know, trauma from that time. Yeah. Yeah, trauma can really, and obviously, like you said, you, the thoughts and changing your hat, like your thoughts and your mindset isn't and like, that's a very helpful part. But obviously the food also goes with that because why was I thinking those horrible thoughts? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, the chemicals in them for sure. But also, you know, your body has kind of its own mind and your body starts to think that it's the mind. So it does, it stores these emotions. We have to let the body know, like, it's safe to release you. It's safe yeah. and let's start getting more thoughts of love back into you. Um, but yeah, your body starts to take over, which is having you live in your past. Yeah. yeah. And you, like with yourself, Sarah, you ended up getting in a cycle where you have these negative thoughts. And even if you're aware of it, then you're <laughs> eating chocolate and then it just like keeps going around and around. And then. Thankfully oh, and you... then I did Google doctor. <laughs> the doctor Google. Oh. And then I just went into like a horrible dark yeah. state. Oh, no, 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 no WebMD. No, no, no. <laughs> no. It was horrible. The last oh. few days have been horrible until last night. And then I'm like, no, I feel good. I'm totally healthy. There's this numbness is a symptom of, you know, the pain and trauma that I felt that I need to obviously fix, but don't pay attention to it. It could get worse. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're doing the work because everybody around you benefits from it. Anytime you've got a higher vibration, you raise the vibration of people around you. Totally. I love that. I love that. So <laughs> it's scary. And I know I still work through stuff all the time. I mean, I remember I had help processing the emotion of, of, of grief from my father dying when I was two, because just because at 38, I don't remember it doesn't mean that that didn't happen, right? Yes, Our bodies absolutely. store those memories and store those emotions just going, okay, at some point, let me out. And when I finally let it out, it was exhausting, but then I felt so much better afterwards. And I feel like it's always going to be an ongoing process. And I think giving ourselves the leniency and uh, the kindness to be like, it's like, it's okay that we feel this way right now. And sure, we got to work through it, but that's totally fine. It's, it's not that we're bad or we're any less of a person. But we were trained that way, right? To that extent, we as kids, like if your kid cries, you know, we as parents come up and go, what's wrong? (laughs) No. It just doesn't make sense. There's yeah. nothing wrong. I mean, my daughter just did it the other day because by example, I we feel emotions come up. If I feel like yeah. I'm going to cry, I will cry. You know, obviously, depending on where I am, obviously at home, it's a lot easier. You feel yeah. a little more relaxed in your own environment, a little <laughs> safer. But nonetheless, you know, she said that. She's like, I don't know why I feel like crying. Well, who cares? Then cry though, like cry. Okay. And, and, and if she's throwing uh-huh. it, whatever it is, she got upset about something with her hair the other day. And I said, okay, well, what, what can we do to work through this? She's like, I'm really mad. Okay, girl, scream, 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 scream. Because we have to teach kids how to do it in real time. Otherwise, we've got adults walking around yeah. with emotions from when they were kids. Instead of allowing them to say feelings and emotions are totally normal. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong at all with, with happiness and joy. We encourage those, but then we're socializing our kids to say, why are you crying? What's wrong? Stop crying. No. They have to work through it. They have to get through that emotion and just feel it. And then they're done with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely, so important. Oh my God, I feel so blessed by your presence today. Um, I got shivers the whole time. Even when we talked before <laughs> on the phone, I'm like, gosh, what does this woman do to me? Yeah. <laughs> she gives me all these like shivers, which is wonderful because I feel that shivers are like filling your soul type talk. So thank you, I appreciate it, Crystal. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. This has been oh so gosh. fun. Yes, we have to keep in touch. I'd love to keep in touch with you. Um, is there, do you have an offer or anything that you're um, promoting or sharing with um, lately? Yeah, we, so again, yeah, the family support program is live. They can go to my website, crystalclearkids.com. And um, under products, it's just right there, the online course. We also work with corporations as well and distribute the program for corporations, especially there's so many parents working at home with kids now and kind of how do you navigate all of that? So yeah, the family support program. And uh, I set up a coupon code for you guys. It's just thank you. And it's 20% off. Thank you, 20 and um, thank you. the program that way. And then yeah, on my website is the book and sample recipes. I do tons of giveaways all the time. I have a nutrition 101 handbook. I have the athlete food guidelines for kids. So parents know what to feed their kids before, during and after they're doing an event. Uh, right now that's a little hard because kids aren't in as many sports as, as they typically were, but hopefully that will pick back up in the spring. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much, Crystal. Is there anything that you would like to uh, share that we haven't asked you or anything? No, just keep empowering your kids to be who they are. That's it. Amen to that. Yes. <laughs> Amen. I Thanks, love it. Guys wow. I'll see you soon. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.